social ladies. All the 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 social ladies. Now put your phones up. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Because if you're social, then you really should be tweeting less. If you're social, then you really could be leading less. You can't have what people say it's so mysterious. Because you're social, you're a leader and you're serious. Now, Carrie Kerpin. Hi, and welcome to another episode of All the Social Ladies. Today, I am so excited to speak with Natanya Anderson, who is the Director of Social Media and Digital Marketing at Whole Foods Market, which is my absolute favorite, favorite place to shop in the world. Natanya has been working with new media for over a decade with a focus on both strategy and execution, helping organizations change the way they engage and communicate with customers. She's a content expert with extensive experience utilizing customer-centric content to build bridges between brands and and their customers. She is also a food blogger. She loves to blog about food, drink, and Austin, Texas at the food, Austin Food Lovers Companion. She's also a founding member and immediate past president of the Austin Food Bloggers Alliance, a nonprofit organization established to promote blogger philanthropy and education. Natanya, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. And I have to tell you, I'll tell you, my favorite Whole Foods store is in Manhasset, Long Island. It's a very, very good store. Um, And I do absolutely love my Whole Foods. And I actually really love uh, what you guys have done in social media. So kudos to you on that. Oh, thanks. Awesome. Okay, so tell me, before we start talking about Whole Foods, tell me a little bit about you and how you got into this position because we have a lot of young people who are aspiring to get into careers in social and I always love for you and our guests to tell their career story. So why don't you tell us the story of your career? Certainly. And and I hope that it's a little bit of an inspiration for those who are wondering how do I get to social because my path is completely unexpected. Awesome. I have um I have a degree in a dead language. My bachelor's degree from the University of Texas is in Latin. And And I had thought, and my career path was originally to be a teacher. And in fact, I have my teacher credentials here in Texas, and I can teach journalism and Latin and history and other things. But also, when I was in college, my part-time job was in the computer labs in the dorms. And so I've always been interested in technology and um, the ways that it helps us do work and communicate. And not too long after I got out of college... I'd been teaching for a little bit, but then I had a chance to work at an educational lab that was funded by the government. And at the time, the World Wide Web was just coming out. Mm -hmm. It was in the days of there's only two books. You have to write all your web pages by hand. And um, because I was the one who had worked in the computer labs and I knew the most about computers, they said, well, here, Natanya, go learn how to make web pages. And that's what really sent me down this path. I moved into writing about web technology. I hosted, I, I authored a whole bunch of books on HTML and XML and, and worked in that space for a while. But then I went to work for an agency that was very focused on utilizing communities, what you would think of as a Jive or a Lithium or other platforms today, to help brands engage with customers. And this was actually before Facebook was big, it was back when MySpace was still around and brands really weren't having these kinds of conversations. And we had a whole platform that was based on the premise that if you help people and make them smarter, 
what we know is the foundation of social media today, uh, that they will uh, choose you over your competitors, all of your things being equal. They'll be more loyal customers, and they'll potentially purchase more, purchase more frequently. And so the reason that I wound up at that organization is because it was an education-based platform, and they needed somebody who could bring education and technology to the, to the table. And because I was then also a writer, I brought content to the table. So I spent 10 wow. years doing that. And it was during that time that social media, as we know it today, really, really became established as a discipline. So my company was sold. And uh, when that was over, I was trying to think about what is it that I want to do. And this position at Whole Foods came open. And because I'm a food blogger and I have a huge passion for food, it seemed to be just the perfect fit at just the right time. And um, so we went through the process. And here I am almost three years later. That's amazing. And so you were at Powered, right? Was that where you were? You were at yes, Powered? that's where I was. And Right. And they were acquired by Dutchess. Right. That makes total sense. And so tell me a little bit on that side. Um, I ask a lot. I have a lot of guests who have both agency and brand side experience. When you're mm-hmm. starting out in a career, do you recommend, do you think it's better to start at an agency or at a brand? Or what are the differences that you see? So it's been interesting to move from mm-hmm. agency to brand. One of the most interesting things for me about the agency side is that you get to work across a lot of different brands, a lot of different vertical disciplines. So when I was at Powered, we worked for Sony and HP and other technology companies, but we also worked for Procter & Gamble and Mm -hmm. for um, even in pharmaceuticals, right, when the pharma companies were trying to figure out how to get into social and so I think that it gives you a really broad view of all the ways that social and digital can be used for a brand. And I think potentially when you're starting out, it's a very gives you sort of a very broad-based view of the role that um, that social can play. And whereas, of course, on the brand side, you become myopic about your brand and about the role that social and digital play in your brand. And in fact, that was one of the things I underestimated when I moved to the brand side is how quickly I would become myopic and wow. lose my ability, right? I thought it would be at least a year or two. And six months later, I was like, oh, I have to make this effort to pop my head up and see what other people are doing. So I think if you're starting out, if there is an opportunity to work in an agency just because it gives you that broader spectrum, if, but you know, I think in some ways, whatever opportunity comes to you, if it's really what you want to do, you have to take it. But I think that if you're if you wind up brand side, being really cognizant of how do I understand, make time for, make a priority, seeing the bigger picture. So if you get hired by a consumer products brand, work hard to understand what um, automotive is doing or what um, tech is doing, so that you have a broader a broader base of experience. I love that. So it's not even just understanding what your competitors are doing; it's it's understanding cross category. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah, I agree with that as well. And I came from the brand side and then started an agency. And and I feel like if I went back to a brand, I would never be myopic again. But actually, it's quite you're quite right. I'm sure if I went back <laughs> in, it would be just one thing all the time. So I love that. I love that that honesty. Uh, so tell me a little bit. One thing that I I remember very early on about Whole Foods and social is that you from a very early stage, encouraged local presences for the stores. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Absolutely. So it's really a reflection of the Whole Foods market culture because core to our business is autonomy at the local store level. 
And we believe fundamentally that every local store is different. They have everything from a different footprint to a different product set to a different fit in a community. Mm-hmm. And so because we're not a cookie cutter organization and every experience is different, we felt like there was a real opportunity for the stores to have unique social presences because, quite frankly, they have unique community presences. They run different events. They have different local sponsorships. And so it seems a natural fit with the company culture. And I think it's only made possible by the fact that the business has so much trust in the local store employee. Because without that, it would be, I think, difficult to have unique local presences. Instead, it would just be a lot of local presences saying all of the same things, and that doesn't create any value for the consumer. So it really is based entirely on business culture, business structure, and the existing idea of creating value for the customer at the local level. So do they own their presences entirely? Is there an approval process? Can they start a new network if they want? Are there guidelines? Tell me about that. So all of the presences are entirely owned by their local stores. We are divided into a dozen different operating regions, Mm -hmm. and the regions have a pretty strong say in some of the choices around how local is local. So, for example, here in the southwest region, which is Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, and Arkansas, they have, in more cases than not, trended toward what we call a metro model. So here in Austin, we have four stores, and they all share the Whole Foods ATX handle. And that's been a decision that's been made at the regional level. But then once an account is established, whether it's one store with their accounts or whether it's multiple stores contributing, it's entirely up to them to maintain that presence. And so it's really not scalable to create a really complex approval process. Because what you have to remember is these are the same people that we trust to talk to our customers every day. So what I'm not trying to do is teach them how to tell the brand story because we entrust that with them in every single conversation that they have on a daily basis. Right. Instead, it's about helping them understand how that translates into social. So we really try to focus our efforts on training and enablement. How do we give them the tools that we need? How do we share best practices when somebody has a really successful uh, post or social event? How do we get that word out to the rest of the organization so they can learn from one another? So we're absolutely an enablement organization. We're about inspiration, not so much about review and control, because it's really the antithesis of who Whole Foods is anyway, so we wouldn't get away with it even if we wanted to. The local stores can create their own channels. One of the things that we try to provide as guidance, though, is the customer view. And we like to say to them, how is this channel different than something else that you're doing? Put yourself in the customer's seat and ask yourself, why should I have to follow two Facebook pages just to get the same information from one, one store? And then we do keep close tabs on accounts that go dormant, how frequently people post. And we will call people up and say, you know what, you haven't posted to this account in months, A, how can we help you? And then B, if this isn't something that's sustainable for you, then let's talk about what sunsetting that looks like. And that's the way that we try to reduce the clutter and be sure that we're only working on accounts that have high value to the customer. And there's one person, right, designated at each Whole Foods that is it heads this up. Is that correct? Is there a marketing person at, at each Whole Foods? 
It is. We have a, a position that's a store marketing team yes. leader. Yep. And but what we're really trying to do, because of course social is not just the hours that that team member works. Yes. We are we are experimenting with different forms of teams inside a store so that we have coverage. Ideally, we have coverage for all the hours that the store is open. We have multiple people inside the store who are trained on how to manage the presence because, as you might imagine, a lot of what we get are customer service questions, and we really want the opportunity to engage with those customers quickly. So we have a handful of pilots going on around the country where we have teams of people managing because that's just the reality of the speed and always-on nature of social. And tell me a little bit about how Whole Foods' corporate presence differs from the local presence. Is it all one cohesive approach? What are we trying to achieve in social? So the corporate presence has the benefit of a full team. And I think that that, and a much bigger audience to serve. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that because of that, we were staffed just like you would expect a major brand's team to be. And what we've, what we've started to see, both from the content and stories that our local stores and brands have to tell, as well as what resonates with our customers, is it's important that brand and local may be telling similar stories that they're not telling them in similar ways. So, for example, we're in the middle of a campaign right now called Share the Buzz, which is all about promoting... Um, information and understanding about honeybees and pollinators yes. and the roles of, the role that they play in our food system. And so at the brand level, we're sharing infographics that tell you all about, you know, which foods wouldn't happen if you didn't have pollinators and facts about pollinators, recipes. And at the local store, just this past Saturday, everybody had an event. So the local stores are doing a lot of posting in their social channels about their local pollinator po- uh, partners any event that they're hosting. And so we're both telling pieces and parts of the same story, but at the brand level, we're very lifestyle and mission focused. And at the local level, they're a lot more transactional about what's happening, what's in your store, how can you get involved. And that creates a real opportunity for us just because we can tell, we can tell the same story, but in different ways that's really accepted by our customers. Mm-hmm. And it gives us extra room to tell those stories. I love it. And so if you're looking at the overarching goal of being in social media for Whole Foods, I, I know that originally when you when you first set out with the local presence, I know it helped a ton on the customer service side, but the overall goal of being there, what would you define it as? For us, it's about differentiation via customer connection and storytelling. So much of the Whole Foods market business is wrapped into our mission and core mm-hmm. values and quality standards. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you're never going to find high fructose corn syrup in our grocery stores. It's just not here, right? We've worked really hard to build seafood standards, right, that, that are really helping move that forward. And so for us, social creates an opportunity to have an ongoing dialogue between store visits around these shared values with our customers which from a business perspective leads to smart customers that are understand why we're different from everyone else, which should create loyalty, which should create more frequent shopping. So, you know, the goal is absolutely to, to grow our customer base and to have our existing customers spend more time with us. But it all starts with a dialogue around shared value. And showcasing that differentiation. I mean, you really are unlike any other store. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. We try. You're the best. Well, you know, you're talking to a fan, so (laughs) it happens. Um, So it sounds like how, so I get how you structure your staff for social 
locally. And so tell me a little bit about the team that you have for social um, at corporate. I know you said you have a full team like a, like a brand, a large brand would, would expect to have. Um, what does that look like? How many people do you have working on social media? So our team is five people, and we separate out customer engagement from social media customer service largely to create scale. Yes. And so, and this has been an evolution of our team over time, right? And so our community management and engagement side of the business is responsible for publishing content, thinking about the role that social has in ongoing marketing, communications, PR, and other, other programs. And that's one, one path. And then the other path is, is the customer service piece, right? Because what we know is if your community is unhappy and their needs aren't being met, then they're not going to be receptive to your messages. So the customer service piece is really foundational for us in terms of keeping our community happy and receptive to the messages. And so we have the customer service side, which is very much set to scale. We have um, a full-time manager for that piece of the business. But then what we've done is we've, we've added to our team with team members who work in the stores in Austin. So we take a handful of their hours every week, and they come up and they work on our team. And because they're in the stores and they're already doing customer service work, they bring all of their knowledge of all the customer questions that they answer every day up into our up into our team and we just started to teach them then how to how to translate that into social media. And that's a real win for us for a couple of reasons. We're building a pipeline of people so that as we have opportunity to grow our team, we have people who are already trained and already know the work that we do. But if we're about to have a really busy time period, we can actually incrementally add those folks and pick up some more of their hours. So it really creates a, an ability to scale that's important to us. Then the last thing that we do is we have a partner who helps us with moderation and customer service and off hours. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're, we're highly attached to the team that does customer service and other channels, phone, email, right. mail, mail, fax, things like that. So I made the decision about 18 months ago to really bifurcate the team into community management and customer service because of scale. Right. And then the last piece that we have is around um, program management and operations. And so we've deployed tools and training to the entire organization. I think what a lot of people don't realize is that when you go out to enable a large group of people, there's a significant operations component to that. What tools do you have? How are you onboarding and offboarding people from those tools? How are you creating training? And of course, because the channels change every day, how are we helping everybody keep up with that? So we actually have a social media operations component to our business that's all about the regional support um, of all of the folks that are you would have that to, are out though. there at the local level. That yeah, makes complete sense. To. You have to. I mean, think of how many how many local stores do you have? We have three hundred and seventy ish. We're opening new stores like every ten days. So that's unbelievable. Um, yeah. So of we estimate that there's like fifteen hundred people in the end creating social media on behalf of the brand. And even though we have social uh, specialists in every single region, we still help. That's still, you know, one person for 50 stores in the Midwest, right? So, so we've really had to figure out how to scale operations uh, because of this enablement piece that we have going on. I love it. That, that's really incredible. 1,500 people touching social. That's, that's really mm-hmm. incredible. Uh, do you also use outside resources or are you, do you handle social entirely internally? 
So for engagement with a customer, except for our moderation partner, at the brand level, we prefer to manage it all internally. Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in partners, but particularly because the Whole Foods Market story is so unique, we prefer to have those folks touching our customers on a regular basis be mostly internal. Mm-hmm. So we, we tend to have our partners help us with things like analytics and training. And um, At the local level, most of the work is done internally. Some of the regions have opted to try working with some third-party partners. A lot of those folks are local or regional and have existing relationships with the brand. So we really let the regions make those decisions. But for the most part, I would say at least 75 or 80% of the work we do across the company is in-house, and we prefer it that way. I think that's great. It, it really speaks to your culture as a whole. Mm-hmm. Tell me, so if you have around 1,500 people that are touching social, right, how are, yeah. you, how are you measuring the impact of social on the business? Because it's obviously a very significant investment of time and resources. So how are you measuring that? So that's a real continued opportunity for growth for us because so much of measurement of success of social is – connected to your ability to tie it into other measures in your business, Yep. right? And there's some opportunities inside of Whole Foods that still are developing. So, you know, we have online ordering. I don't know if you've ever gone to shop.wholefoodsmarket.com and pre-ordered a turkey. Um, no, but, but I clearly I need to. Yeah, shop. totally check it out. Yeah, shop.wholefoodsmarket.com. You can totally order your turkey in your pajamas. I love uh, this. <laughs> okay, and, done. And... You know, so, but we don't have a big ongoing e-commerce presence, right? Like, that's something that we've been popping up for the holidays and are just now starting to have year-round. And, you know, in a lot of organizations, uh, one of the ways that they, that they understand the value of social to their whole organization is to measure it against e-commerce, and then you're able to say, okay, for every dollar that we earn yes. in e-commerce, we can then also take credit for X number of dollars out in the retail channel. And so we're still not there with that yet. And, you know, I think some of the other places that we're looking are around, you know, customer experience scores, whether it's NPS or something that we roll roll our own. And so one of the things I'm doing right now is as the business gets more mature in the way that it measures digital as a whole, I'm making sure that social media is at the table from day one Mm. so that we can be very, so that we can be very connected. And I can say, let's set it up in this way so that the second that you go live, I can connect social media measurement to it. And we can have that as, as a measure. So, so it's a big place of focus for me right now. I love what you said about getting social to the table because if you measure early enough and if you set up a system for measurement, it makes it much, much easier than just using it as kind of a siloed afterthought. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. And, and I, feel like, I feel like there are all these conversations about measuring ROI in social. And one of the biggest pieces is, well, what do you have to connect it to? And I think that people underestimate, unless they have just an exceptionally strong e-commerce presence or just a uh, really strong loyalty affinity or just the ability to do social-only promotions that drive really strong retail presence, social is so dependent on the systems that it can connect to to prove its value. And in the interim, then what we start to do is show the business the conversation, right? And we start to say... These are the conversations we're having. So if people only shop in our stores once a week, but we're talking to them every day, um, you know, sort of as a, as a stepping stone um, to, to overall measurement, I think that that's, that that's the interim step until you can really connect those part, that hard sales data. 
Absolutely. I sometimes think that e-commerce, in a way, um, it makes it harder for the rest of the world because you're able to measure yeah. it to such a t- you know such a degree that like if you're measuring anything else, you feel like oh okay. Even yeah. even old measurement systems, I just think it's always Uh-oh. interesting to see. Oh, I totally agree. You know, and I think the other place that um, is sometimes undervalued and one that we're exploring actively is the value of social media customer service. All of the data is showing that customer service is moving to social media, but also because the ease of a tweet, for good or for bad, um, allows people to share what were frustrations or praise that they already had in their head but they had no chill for. So we're seeing a migration of customer service to social media, but we're also seeing a proliferation. And that's one of the places that as a business, we know the value of a retained customer versus what it costs us to acquire a customer. And so I really believe that being able to start to quantify customer service and social as taking negatives and turning them into a net neutral and a net positive and being able to say, okay, this person that was going to be lost as a customer is retained as a customer, and this is the value of that customer, actually think that in some cases where businesses already have those measures because they have them for the rest of customer service, and there's not that, um, you know, pristine e-commerce piece, but the businesses come to terms with the slightly um, squishier metric of what is a retained customer. I think that that's a place that we really have an opportunity also to show value to the organization. So it's the other path that we're pursuing. I love that. Because if you think about it, what you said about the proliferation is like there's feedback that you never would have gotten before if it weren't for the ease and ability to send a quick tweet, either either positive or negative. I totally agree. Absolutely. Okay, you have to tell me about Austin Food Lovers Companion. Tell me. (laughs) Tell me. I need to know. (laughs) Well, so I love food in crazy and ridiculous ways. And several years ago, I was really looking for a way to share that passion. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my blog has been, it's had several incarnations, just like any other, any other good, good personal hobbyist blog. And I will confess that Austin Food Lovers Companion is on a little bit of a hiatus right now, just because, you know, I found that when you go work in social media, your own time for your own personal social media takes a little bit of a hit. And it's, I've had to work in the last two or three years to find, to find that balance. And I also have a teenage daughter, which, you know, makes me then mom's taxi service as my second job. Of course. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the whole point of Food Lovers Companion is just um, to share all the things that I know about Austin. I'm lucky because I'm in the Austin food scene to know when restaurants are opening or what, um, what events are coming up. Austin is great for food events. And just wanting to share that with people. So I'm, I'm taking a vacation in a couple weeks to Italy, and I'm hoping to get a little bit re-energized around the block so that it can, can come back to life after the summer. But it really is just me enjoying food in Austin and wanting to share it with people. Oh, I can't. I'm going to, the second I go to Austin, I told you I have to go visit my friend. The moment I go down to Austin, I'm, I'm going to really <laughs> go dive deep into that blog. Uh, so question for you. You mentioned about social and when you work in social media, sometimes it being harder to make the time. How do you, how, do you find that it becomes more of a chore? I, I know I've experienced in working in social because I'm on it all the time. Sometimes it's difficult to remember to just be social just for the personal sake of being social on social media. Do you find that? I do. I, I find, I think that the easy social, like Instagram, for example, 
that continues to be easy because it's really all about live streaming. And um, I was taking pictures of all my food anyway. Yep. So that one was pretty easy. I will tell you that I've been really challenged by Twitter, which is a presence in a place that I love. Yep. And every time I go to a conference, I get back into it and I really enjoy people. But then I, you know, I'm here at my day job and your head's down and you're focused. And yep. I think that, that being in social becomes a little bit harder. And then of course, anything that's a longer form, whether it's a blog or, or, podcast or video or whatever, I think in some ways when you're done at the end of the day, you sort of want to walk away because it is no longer a change of pace. It's the same old, same old. And so, so I think that that's part of it. But it's really important, I believe, for those of us who, who are social media practitioners to be social media enthusiasts. And in fact, one of the requirements to work on my team is that you're an early adopter and we all have personal accounts on channels long before we create a, a presence because we want to understand it from the customer's perspective. And we want to understand it that way before we say, here, how as a brand, we want to be in this channel. So it is part of our job to be social. And that helps a little bit. But I do think sometimes you're just like, you know what? I just want to read a good book. Or I just want to go hang out with my friends. Whereas before, being in social was was mental freedom from whatever else it was you're doing. So it's definitely been a, a, a balance that I've, I've been challenged with. I love that what you said about uh, your team being early adopters. Do you think uh, that it is important for those who work in social uh, to really love social media? Do you think that it's an important thing? Can you be successful in social media if you're not into it? I don't think you have to be into every single channel. But if you are not into social, I think that you won't want to stay because it's not a passion point for mm -hmm. you. And it doesn't have to be about social, I'm passionate about Facebook, or I'm passionate about the ins and outs of a particular channel or strategy. But I think you have to be really passionate about connecting with others and being of value to them because that's what takes, that's what it takes to be successful in social. And quite frankly, sometimes social media is a little bit silly, right? <laughs> and that's okay. Yes, it is. It most certainly you is. Know? There's a lot of eye rolling and really, Natanya, do you have to take a picture of everything that you eat? And, <laughs> you know, so, so I, think, I think if you don't really love it, and more importantly, you don't understand this capacity for connecting people, then I think that... You, I think if you, I think if you don't, then you won't enjoy your job because to do your job well, you have to really spend a lot of time in social, in the channels, understanding. And if all that does is really annoy you, then it's probably time to find another way to to exercise whatever your passion is. I think that's great, great advice, Natanya. And I'm so happy that we were able to have you on the show. And I hope that everyone not only shops at Whole Foods, not only reads your blog, but also goes and gets a turkey at shop.wholefoodsmarket.com because that is what I'm doing as soon as I'm off this podcast. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for being on, Natanya. Thank you for having me. Of course. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kerfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com.